You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. Let's do it later. Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Because nope. I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Welcome back to the Buckeye Breakdown podcast. 24 hours after Ohio State and Oregon met at the Horseshoe in Columbus. Oh boy, do we have a lot to unpack from Ohio State's uh, week two loss to the Oregon Ducks. I'm Brendan Gulick with uh, the coach, Tommy Zagorski. Um, man, you know, there's there are some good things I think we can take away from this game. Um, but I think there are reasons now to start Biting your fingernails a little bit if you're a Buckeye fan, because to me, hindsight is always going to bring things a little more, you know, clearly into focus. Um, and perhaps there are some similarities when looking at the Alabama and the Minnesota and now the Oregon game. Uh, obviously, there was a lot of time between Alabama and Minnesota. You know, maybe we made some excuses about Alabama was this transcendental offense Buckeyes had their hands tied behind their back defensively with a couple players out um maybe some of the mistakes and frustrations from week one against Minnesota were masked because you won you had a defensive touchdown and so you didn't pay as close of attention to some of those things but um yesterday was bad it was not good in a lot of areas and if Ohio State wants to accomplish its goals They've got to get some things figured out fast. So why don't we start with your just uh, your overarching thoughts? Because I know you got some things you want to get off your chest too. No, absolutely, Brendan. I, it, we did not look like a college football playoff team last night um, during the day. It was it was a tough one to watch at different points of the game, um, and which is is sad because there were so many positive things um, that you could look at from the Ohio State perspective. And, and there's going to be some of those film rooms are going to be a little bit more positive than others. Um, at the end of the day, it's a loss at in, in Columbus. Uh, that we have not seen a, a regular season loss in the Ryan Day era, uh, especially to a team like an Oregon who came in, who was shorthanded, who, who played grittier, who played tougher, who played harder, um, and really was a team effort. And and the reason I say a team effort is at the end of the game, to have the tight end who makes this incredible catch to keep the drive alive is the guy that goes over on defense and gets the sack that ends the game uh, for Oregon. Um, it's 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 two different teams. It was two different teams that played the way they played yesterday. I think a hungry Oregon team came to Columbus. They had a mindset from the beginning. They wanted to be physical. Um, and, and what was really disappointing um, was also to see that Joe Moorhead, who, we, who I alluded to on Friday, and unfortunately uh, you and I joked about it, I gassed him up um, as a godfather of the RPO and having a really good offensive game plan. He dominated yesterday. And I know the players make plays and they have to execute, but – the one by three, and we'll talk about this a little bit more, the one by three sets that Oregon got into, Ohio State didn't have an adjustment to it. It was really disappointing. Um, and it's, it's a shame. The two young corners played really good football. Um, and I think that they were kind of a silver lining of the defense yesterday. He took them out of the equation and put a lot on Shaw and put a lot on that defensive line. And they liked it. They pin and pulled a lot in different ways. They ran the quarterback. They ran the running backs. Um, it was it was It was tough to watch. Uh, and to not see the adjustments that Ohio State should have made in the game to be able to adjust, to be able to overload, and, and let these guys go. You know, they were so worried about the two receivers away or two or three receivers away um, in those sets. 
uh, it was interesting. And, and kudos to Oregon. They had a great plan. Uh, they brought it uh, day in and day out uh, throughout snap by snap. Um, it, it was it was good to see uh, from that standpoint. And then you look at, you know, a unit on the offense. And Ohio State couldn't run the ball as well as we'd like to yesterday. You know, 4.1 yards rushing. And you look at that and you say, wait, 4.1 yards rushing, if you get the ball twice, you're in third and short. You should be able to continue to go with it. Ryan Day is banned in the run. I think not so because he panicked about the score. I honestly think it was more he didn't have faith in the run. And you can see that as a play caller, that's really hard. It's really hard calling game when your bread and butter is running the football uh, and didn't have an opportunity to do that um, as well as they'd like to have and establish the run. I think they expected the, the offensive line to push these guys around a little bit more than they did. And um, it, it left a lot of, it left a lot to be desired. The positive of this, Brendan, it's early in the season. It's early in the season for Ohio State. It's not a Big Ten game. It has no bearing or effect on the fact that getting to Indianapolis and having that ability to be able to play and rally from that standpoint, it just stings to have somebody come into your place and push you in the mouth for four quarters straight and walk away with a loss. And that's really what happened yesterday um, in the shoe. And and I, I said this yesterday in sort of an immediate reaction. I still believe it today. Um, Ohio State's season is not over. Their, their chances to make the college football playoff are not zero. Uh, in fact, if you're looking for a number, I think ESPN's uh, you know all-state playoff predictor has it at like 23%. Um, those obviously aren't good odds. They were 67% before the game yesterday. They took a massive hit. Uh, but not impossible for the Buckeyes to still achieve their goals. They just have no wiggle room anymore. Um, I think we need to start on the defensive side. But I will make one comment real quick based off what you said there. Ryan Day did uh, mention in his postgame press conference that he he didn't like the lack of balance yesterday. He wanted to run the ball more. Uh, and if he could have you know gone back and maybe called a couple of different plays, he said maybe he would have called runs. But to your point, it kind of felt like the Buckeyes were just chasing the game the whole time, trading scores. And when you've got receivers that are making plays the way the Buckeye receivers did yesterday um, – you know, you're kind of lulled into wanting to throw the ball. I think C.J. Stroud's 484 passing yards were far more representative of the work the receiving core did yesterday than the work that C.J. himself put in. You know, numbers only tell so much of the story. But I think fans want to hear about defense because that right now is where the world seems to be on fire. Um, so let's start there. Defensive line, from my perspective, really didn't get very good leverage all game. You know, let, let's even just take some of the the big highlight, you know, seventy seven yard touchdown run or or the the stretch plays to the left hand side they scored on several times. Take those out for a second. I just felt like on most plays, Ohio State's defensive line wasn't all that threatening, and that's not something we're used to seeing. They got bullied yesterday. Yeah, especially on the perimeter. Uh, you know, the offensive tackles for Oregon. Uh, knocked the defensive ends off the football continuously. Uh, the only guy that really you saw continuously have get off um, through the middle, uh, and he was he was driving up and he was vertical upfield, but it created seams. It created seams for those guys to be able to run, um, and they were able to avoid him in the backfield and be able to work themselves up. Um, I really thought that uh, they had a good job of, of reading those guys. They kept them uneasy. As a defensive end, you don't know if you're getting red. You don't know if you're getting blocked. Um, they put them in some really tough situations across the board um, yesterday. And one of the things that I know you and I had talked about off air, uh, um, you know, Tariq Smith, I thought, showed up a little bit more 
um, yesterday than he did in the Minnesota game. You know, he flashed, he ran to the football, um, he tried to make plays downfield. Uh, but at the point of attack, it was not your traditional Ohio State defensive line yesterday. Um, you know, they came in, and and like I said on, on Friday, Mario Cristobal is an offensive line coach. He's going to want to set the tone physically, and they did. They, they beat up on Ohio State physically. Um, it was tough to watch at different points of the game, and it really just put the linebackers in even a worse set. Um, when you have a bad linebacker core, not a bad linebacker core, that's not fair to say, but an inexperienced linebacker core, um, when they have offensive linemen playing up on them on a regular basis and defensive line's not getting it done, it makes it really difficult um, to be able to play football that way. And I thought from that standpoint, they were, they were inefficient in the pass rush. Uh, Anthony Brown, um, from the running and being able to throw the football, uh, was really effective throughout. And, and it comes back to the game plan. It comes back to the game plan where at the end of the day, Oregon had a better plan offensively. They were able to, like I said, read different guys at different points of the game, make them feel sluggish, uneasy, off edge. And like we talked about before, you said, you know, take those outside zone plays, you know, the pin and pulls to the left out of the game plan. But guess what? Like they did it out of different formations. They figured out ways to manufacture one by three sets and really, really exposed Ohio State. Um, you know, watching yesterday, you know, watching Minnesota the week before, you know, Minnesota had some success getting into bigger packages. And you know what? Oregon said, you know what we're going to do? We're going to be able to work into the boundary. We're going to play a smaller brand of football, and we're going to go get you and get out, get out, in, you know, on the perimeter. And it's it's ironic. It's 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 not anything we're chattering that they did. Um, you Columbus fans can watch, you know, Bishop Hartley High School, Brad Birchfield, those guys have been doing that for 15 years. They get into the boundary, they work pin and pull stuff, they get bodies on bodies, they get out into the perimeter and go to do it. And really, that's what happened. That's what Oregon did um, in a myriad of ways yesterday and really left a lot of people scratching their head. Um, I, I am not the X's and O's guy, and that's why you're here. So I don't want to make assumptions on things, but um, perhaps some of my observations can lead to. Uh, why you saw things the way that, that you did. Um, let's talk linebackers for a second because there were some moments yesterday where linebacking play was was pretty subpar. Um, maybe the Buckeyes are still trying to figure out who their best linebackers are. Um, I think they have good athletes. I think they have good intelligence. Maybe the best way to ask this question up front Ryan Day has said several times over that when issues arise, it's either scheme, it's coaching, or it's personnel. If it's scheme, you got to make adjustments. If it's coaching, you got to figure out a way to teach it differently. And if it's personnel, you got to make changes on the field. Now that we've seen challenges both in the national championship game last year and, and through these first couple of games here in, in 2021, um, were there things yesterday that stood out to you that maybe weren't necessarily personnel driven, but you could say, hey, this is where you can you can differentiate, hey, that's a scheme problem. Hey, that's a coaching problem. Yeah, you know, Brent, that's a great point. And, and Ryan Day says that the way that I would articulate it and, and dating back to the Alabama game of last year, Alabama game last year was personnel. Alabama personnel-wise was better than Ohio State. Week one against Minnesota, it was per, it was uh, it was coaching. There was fundamentals. We lacked a lot of fundamentals. You know, we didn't tackle. We didn't run to the football. Stuff that you want to see on a defensive football team. And then yesterday was a was a was really a combination of all three. And and I think that you look at it from that standpoint. But the thing that stuck away from me was scheme. I mean, when you talk about scheme, to be able to get to a one by three set into the boundary multiple times, 
to throw off of it, to run off of it. I mean, this was a great plan by Joe Moorhead across the board and, and really exposing Shaw. And, and I know he's not, you know, he, we're talking about linebackers right now, but he was exposed yesterday in a, in a bunch of different ways. They wanted to make him make one-on-one tackles. He wasn't able to do that. They got him on the on the on the corner route to the tight end on the play action of the boundary. They set up in a one by three set again um, and set it up beautifully. And as you watch that and you continue to see the way we're going to attack them, everybody else is going to do that as well. So I know right now um, at the Woody, those guys are sitting there. They're going to have a long, long night tonight figuring out, you know, getting back to it. Granted, they have a Tulsa team coming to town um, who played Oklahoma State really well yesterday. Oklahoma State had to come back and beat that Tulsa team who lost to an FCS team in week one. Uh, but I don't want to jump ahead on this. We still want to put this bad boy to bed. But they're going to be able to work on this thing. They're going to look at it. They're going to grow from it. Um, and I, I think that they're going to have to figure out ways because I can guarantee you, Tulsa right now is game planning for the first and second down game plan um, after they meet with their players this morning. And they're going to start having some one-by-three sets. And get, everybody's going to one-by-three sets until the Buckeyes can show they can stop. And is it, is it a corner's over issue? Is it bringing somebody over? Um, is it finding an extra guy that can play um, that line, that rover position, or you know, the bullet, as they call it, um, here at Ohio State, and, and be able to have a way to be able to adjust to it and play? Uh, this linebacker core, they're trying to find – Al Washington's a tremendous coach. You can't take that away from him. He's a great recruiter. He's a young coach who, who's got a tremendous upside. Um, a lot of people wanted him as a coordinator this offseason. But his group, his unit, uh, is not performing yet. And, and I think as you're looking at it, uh, they're going to try. they got to find this elixir way faster. Um, but luckily, they've got two mid-major teams coming down the next two weeks, um, which will give them an ability to play with a little bit more confidence, play a little bit faster. Uh, but they cannot give up big runs. They can't give up uh, these big hits. Um, like they have, because um, they got to build this confidence before they get in the Big Ten play. Uh, because as we are well aware, the Big Ten is a physical run the football conference. Um, and until that is answered, until defensive line can make sure that the line of scrimmage is getting pushed in the laps of linebackers, um, it's going to be a lot of questions for this Ohio State defense. The Buckeyes had one tackle for a loss yesterday. One. They didn't cause a turnover. They had no sacks. Um, they didn't have too many. Chances where they they were even threatening tackles for loss, um, and, and so maybe that's where I was most disheartened this morning as I, you know, tried to watch some of the highlights from the game and and you know continued to reflect on what I saw in person. Um, it, it, you know, nobody in Columbus is making excuses. Um, I thought Ryan Day and Kerry Combs and several of the players yesterday did a pretty good job owning it after the game. You know, it didn't seem like anybody was pointing fingers. And they all kind of said the right things publicly. So I'll give them a chance to fix it here. But they got to take a big step forward. And and to your point, you've got two mid-major teams coming in the next two weeks. I, I don't mean this as any disrespect to Tulsa or Akron at all. The Buckeyes should be able to roll out of bed and win those games on talent alone. Um, it's it's probably going to be you know decisive scores against two schools that Ohio State should not have any trouble with. How difficult can it be to see, you know, actual legitimate improvements in scheme, coaching, personnel, whatever the issues may be, um, when you know you're playing teams that aren't as talented as Oregon or the caliber of school that you could see if you get to a, a Big Ten championship or, or you know, a college football playoff? The elite teams don't rise to the level of their competition uh, they they play at an elite level all the time. And that's what you need Ohio State to see have happen. You know, yesterday, you watch UAB, uh, who's a 
great mid-major program. And Bill Clark's done a tremendous job there. Get dismantled by a Georgia team who is just playing out of their minds right now. Uh, Chris Moore got that team playing really, really well. And and, and Coach Saban, you know, you look at you look at what Alabama has done historically. And, you know, we joked about it in the podcast or on this cast on Friday. We talked about whether Mercer Bears going to score. They did. We got that one. Uh, Mercer Bears did score. Um, it Twice. wasn't a field goal. It was the touch. Yeah, hey, you know what? It happens. But guess what? That's what they're going to teach. And I'm going to tell you, Nick Saban's going to be very upset about that. And Ryan Day has got to think to himself, we got a Tulsa team coming to town who can run the football. Though, I mean, Tulsa is not, you know, Ohio State should win this game handily, but Tulsa's got a running back. They have two guys on the Doak Walker watch list. Like, they're talking about a team coming to town that's a good football team on the ground. And don't let yourself get caught up in the fact that the offense is going to score 50, 60, 70 points in these upcoming games. It's the ability of this Ohio State team to bounce back and have historical resiliency to play above it and, and to look to the point that they had built that confidence where guys get comfortable in their run fits. Guys get comfortable. The linebackers get comfortable playing behind these defensive linemen and say, you know what, these guys are going to make plays too. We just haven't seen that in the last three games. And, and until that happens, you're not going to feel as confident about this defense. And and like I said, this is a big point of coaching. It's a big point of maturity as a football team. Great teams play above who they're playing. You don't fall to that level of, 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 of who you're playing against. And when you play at that level, you put yourself in a bad situation. And I think that you see Ohio State, what they're going to do going forward, um, they're going to be hungry these next two weeks. I mean, they are gonna, these are going to be statement games. Um, they have to win over this fan base again, which is sad. You know, this fan base is, is, is privileged. And I say that in a great way. Ohio State fans, you are blessed. You have one of the best products in college football. Um, and, and it's the same thing. If we went to a steakhouse and we're always accustomed to getting that, that filet mignon and that filet mignon's done just exactly right, well, yesterday it wasn't done exactly the way it was. There's a little bit of a drop-off. Um, let's get back to that filet mignon product. There's Ohio State football repeatedly for the next two weeks uh, and really set the tone going forward uh, into Big Ten play. Let's talk about the secondary for a second here because you, I think you rightfully pointed out uh, the play from the cornerbacks yesterday was actually pretty good. I thought Cam Brown had a really, really good game. He made several excellent pass breakups. Um, he was tight in coverage all day. I thought Denzel Burke played really well yesterday. It, it seemed to me like the coverage aspect of the of the issues here, I, I saw that as being more zone issues than I saw it as man-to-man issues, even though the Buckeyes played a lot of man. How would you uh, evaluate what you saw in that regard? I would agree as well. A lot of times, though, Ohio State got caught in any type of zone blitzes when they were trying to cultivate pressure because uh, they weren't getting it up front with just the four down. Um, and Ohio and Oregon did a great job of having drop downs, you know, hitting the wheels out of the back, hit a couple of drag routes to replace the heels of those linebackers when he blitzed. You know, that was a great plan by them. And Ohio State had the same plan. As you look at this, great offenses have checkdowns. Anthony Brown was, in the words of my friend John Gruden, he was a checkdown monster. This guy was a check down monster yesterday. He was throwing, you know, he didn't he didn't get caught up in, in throwing the ball downfield and worried about things that he couldn't control. You put him in an advantageous situation. It was easy to operate that offense yesterday. Um, and and this, I say that from an Oregon perspective because I'm an offensive guy at heart. But defensively, these cornerbacks we have are going to be elite. Going down the road, you're going to look at these guys and you're going to say, you know what, these guys are special. They have an ability to cover in man. They have ability to play. They're getting more confident. And that was one of the things the takeaways was from the Minnesota game. 
those guys, even if they gave up a big play, they didn't worry about it. They were, hey, we're going to go play the next play. Those guys are confident. They've got swagger. They've got stars. They've got all these different things. They've got endorsement deals. They've got everything they're looking for. These kids can play really, really well, and they're going to continue to play well, and they're going to continue to dominate receivers out on the perimeter. And when Ohio State can get to the point where they can get more pressure up front with those four down, it's going to take a little bit more stress off those guys. But I thought cornerbacks yesterday played really, really well. Um, you know, it comes back down to the safeties. It comes back down to the safeties, into the run fit. You're putting a lot on those guys. Um, they looked lost in coverage at different points of the game. Um, you know, some of the play action, some of the RPO stuff. Um, they were putting a compromise early and often. Um, and those are things that they're going to have to adjust and work on, um, not just, you know, this week, but going forward. Because what happens is, this game is going to be a blueprint for a lot of teams going forward on how to attack the Ohio State defense. You know, whenever you get a film as a coach and you're getting ready to attack a defense, you see Ohio State and you go, well, who scored a lot of points on Ohio State? Well, you look at Alabama and as coach, well, Alabama is Alabama. So, like, obviously they're special. But we're all going to sample from Alabama. People are going to sample from Oregon plan, and they're going to continue to attack this defense until the adjustments are made, as we alluded to already. Um, but I think in the secondary, um, there should be some some confidence. Um, in the article that uh, that'll post tomorrow that I wrote today, uh, you're going to see. Um, I, I was confident. I, I gave a I gave a plus minus grade for the secondary because I thought the corners played well. Unfortunately, inside uh, the safety storm yesterday, um, and that's going to continue to be an Achilles heel. Defense uh, until things change, and it's got to be it's personnel driven, but it's also schematically putting those guys in situations where there's not as much on them. And I think Ohio State's been has gotten away with for a long time having really good safeties where you could put more on those guys. And right now, um, we're not there as a team defensively, and you're going to take a little bit more off them and continue to be able to let those corners try to lock down outside um, and really solidify the inside of that defense. I uh, I'm looking forward to you know the the next 24 hours here too. By the way, we're we're going to have plenty of film breakdown stuff uh, in addition to some of the grades that are posted. So um, we're still in the process of cutting up that film. We want to make sure we give you sort of the the best look and the best examples of why certain things went the way they did yesterday. Um, before we jump to the offense, I think it's probably worth fair addressing this because. I think there's a lot of fans that are really, really frustrated. You know, two losses in the last three games. Obviously, one of them's Alabama. Fine. It's a college football playoff national title game. It's a heck of a year, considering all that you went through. Um, a win over a Minnesota team that had a great running back with a great offensive line. Yesterday, a loss to Oregon, who ran the ball really well, uh, didn't vary from that game plan and had a great offensive line. Um, you look at some of the Big Ten teams that the Buckeyes are going to have to play, and and maybe some of them don't have the same caliber offensive line that Minnesota and that Oregon have. But if Ohio State is going to achieve what they want this year, beat Michigan, get to Indianapolis, win the Big Ten title, make the college football playoff, those are their goals. If they're going to do that, they obviously need to play better up front. Um is it, is it worth examining right now what other teams in the Big Ten might be ahead of Ohio State? Uh, you know, not necessarily from a talent perspective, but teams that might be more well coached. That if you're a fan, you're looking around saying, hey, we need to watch Iowa or whomever it is because this team could be on the rise. 
You know, I, I, I'm not ready. Uh, I, I said this on Friday. I'm not all in on Iowa yet. And I, people are going to go, you're crazy. They're a top 10 team. Uh, they dominated Iowa State yesterday. There were a lot of turnovers in that game. Purdy played his worst game as an Iowa State Cyclone yesterday. And doing that, what it did was it gave Iowa a little bit of confidence. I was able to score a couple defensive touchdowns in the game and really keep Iowa State off track um, as they attacked that game. But what you're going to see going forward um, that I think is really, really important um, is I think talent-wise, I think we're still the most talented defensive line in the conference. Larry Johnson is still one of the greatest division, greatest defensive line coaches in the country. You still have that ability there. It's just finding it and getting there. Uh, Jerome Harrison is a guy who who came along, who's been a lot put on him in a short period of time here. Um, these young guys are going to have to play, and they're going to have to get going, and they're going to get better. They're going to continue to get better. I am not hitting the panic button yet on being winning their side of the Big Ten and being a chance to go play in Indianapolis. I'm not at that point yet. Um, you know, one of the things that you and I talked about off the air, Michigan looked like a football team last night. Uh, they played a complete game. Uh, they look good offensively. They had 200-yard rushers. Um, and then Aiden Hutchinson is a great player and a great leader who who rallies the rest of that defense together with him. Uh, but I'm not still I'm not worried about those guys yet. Um, I think there's a lot of other people than in the Big Ten from an offensive line perspective. You still look at I mean, Penn State's a really good team. Penn State's got a good offensive football team. This Minnesota team that Ohio State played against, he kind of pushed up against the ropes last night with Miami Ohio. Uh, Miami Ohio is a great MAC team. They do a tremendous job down there in Oxford. But also, they're not uh, – Minnesota's a good team. Uh, they're not an elite team. And I think as you see this, Ohio State's got to be able to, you know, start putting these games away when they look at it from that standpoint. And Michigan State, um, you know, Michigan, you know, the different teams that they're going to play. I think Penn State's going to be an interesting team to see grow and develop. Um, they're playing with a lot more confidence. They're a great defensive football team. Uh, but, you know, like I said, Iowa's at the top of the, of the, of the game on the other side of it. But um, there's Ohio State's going to have games that they're going to have to play. It's a big Everybody recruits. Everybody's good coaches. Um, they're going to put themselves in a, in a situation. But I'm not ready to panic yet. I'm not ready to abort uh, the mission yet. Um, you know, it does stink that we're not going to be in the top five, you know, consistently, you know, throughout the rest of the season. Ohio State's going to be the outside looking in on a lot of those games. But some of the great Ohio State teams have done this historically. You know, you look back when, you know, you have an Andy Katz when you're on defense and Ohio State loses to a Michigan State team uh, when they're nationally ranked. And then, you know, you look back at that season and you go, man, if they could have won that Michigan State game, you know, this Oregon game, you could look back at and go, man, if they could have won that Oregon game. Um, you know, a Buckeye fans, 11-1 and one is still a really, really good regular season, a Big Ten championship. And still teams have to go beat each other. You know, like you said, the, the SEC is going to go play each other in these college football playoffs. I'm not convinced that this Oregon team is going to run the table. They still got a lot of football to play in the Pac-12. Um, there's some goofy things that happened. Like last night, Stanford knocks off a USC team that nobody saw coming um, after an abysmal performance against Kansas State. I mean, there's a lot of football to be played. And these are young guys who got to play. You know, control what you can control, Ohio State. We're going to learn from this game yesterday. Going forward, like, we still have to go win these games. We're 1-0 and in the Big Ten. We're going to go play more Big Ten football. We have to have the ability and the flexibility to go – Really dominate a Tulsa and an Akron coming to town these next two weeks. Build back that confidence. Build back that swagger. Build back that Ohio State brand that they wear on their chest proudly and go forward with it. And, and if you can do that the next couple of weeks, going into the Big Ten play and really solidify and say, hey, look, like we're not concerned about the Northwesterns, the Indianas, the you know Michigans, the Michigan State, the whoever it may be that's coming to town that we got to play, the Rutgers, whatever it may be, like, those are games that we feel confident we're going to go win handily. I think it's going to build that confidence back up, and I think Ohio State fans are going to be much happier going down the stretch and, and going to 
I finished September on a high note, and let's get back into good Buckeye October football. Um, and a lot, a lot to be celebrated in Columbus. See, Buckeye fans, that's why we have him on. You know, he's the ultimate pick-me-up. Everybody that was that was squirming last night or losing sleep, Tommy Z is going to get you back where you need in the right headspace. It's all good. And uh, next week will be will be a better performance. Um, let's address the rankings real quick before we go to the offense. So the coaches poll came out. Alabama, Georgia, Oklahoma, Oregon, Texas A&M are the top five. Clemson, Iowa, Cincinnati, Florida, Notre Dame, Ohio State. So Buckeyes dropped from three to 11 yesterday. Notre Dame probably should have lost to Toledo, but didn't. Uh, Cincinnati did what it was supposed to with a nice win. Um, I admittedly haven't seen Florida this year, so I, I, I mean, I know they're a good team, but I can't tell you much about them. Um, Iowa obviously is off to a kind of a dream start. They absolutely pounded Indiana. And then yesterday, I know it was an odd game, um, but they took care of business on the road at their rival and beat a top 10 team on the road. That's impressive. Iowa deserves right now to be a top 10 ranked team and to be ranked ahead of the Buckeyes. Um, Clemson is fine. I mean, you kind of got what you expected from them yesterday. Uh, Texas A&M handled their business against Colorado, and obviously Oregon made uh, a nice jump um, because they knocked off a, a really quality opponent. Um, so that's kind of where the rankings are and, and the top three, Alabama, Georgia, Oklahoma, not, not a big surprise. Um, offensive side of the ball. Offensive line play was a huge strength for the Buckeyes in week one. Uh, did not, as we've alluded to a couple times in week one, did not allow a single negative play. Uh, yesterday, that was largely the case for sure. Um, I don't think the Buckeyes played quite as well up front yesterday as they did in week one. And obviously, they they finally gave up a sack, their first sack of the season allowed with just under four minutes left to go in the game. They ended up giving up two, and uh, pretty frustrating when you know you're you're down a score and you're trying to manufacture something late, and you know at, at that point you can't protect C.J. Stroud. Um, so I know you're an offensive line guy at heart. Why don't we start there? How would you evaluate those guys? You know, I, it, it was it was hit or miss. It was, it was up and down uh, for them. Um, you know, you still get this. They gave up two sacks against a really good uh, defense that threw a lot of different things at them. Um, you know, I, I don't think the panic button is yet hit on this offensive line. Uh, I, I'm not ready to just abort on these guys. Um, at the end of the day, they still did pass protect um, C.J. Stroud to throw for, I believe it was the second most yards by a Buckeye quarterback in the history of Ohio State football. Um, they protected him. In majority of the day, he had a pocket around him that was able to go throw. For the casual fan who just watches the Sports Center highlights, for the most part, you got to see a pocket that CJ could step up into um, and, and try to throw the football and set his feet uh, yesterday. The disappointing thing was they did not have the ability to establish the run and dominate the run the way they wanted to. Twofold, um, as we said in the opening, Ryan Day did not got away from it because he wasn't confident in it. If you're not confident in something, you're not going to do it on a regular basis. And as a play caller, that's the same thing. You go into this game and you think, hey, I'm going to stay ahead of the sticks. I'm going to run the football. I feel we can do that well a two-yard game all right a three-yard those aren't the gains that you're looking for as an ohio state offensive line especially with the travion henderson and mayan williams running the football you're expecting those guys to be able to be five six yards average of 7.1 yards that the guys on the other sideline did yesterday um that's where you're looking at that's what you need to get back to and need to establish that they'll be able to do that the next couple of weeks like let's get real about this um they're going to play against um so the defensive line they're going to work really hard and try really hard 
but they're going to be more talented. We're going to see these guys get up on the get up and, and be able to move people um, against their will and get back to running the football the way Ohio State needs to run the football um, to play the brand of football. But at the end of the day, like for the most part, protected Stroud. I'm not going to give these guys. Um, I, I think I think I, I don't have the exact grade. I think I give a B minus because of the running of the football. Um, you know, for, for the article. But as I look at it, um, you know, I, I, it wasn't the ugliest game up front but it wasn't the most dominant game that we wanted to see um, like we did, you know, a week ago against the Minnesota team. If you've got questions, please uh, let us know along the way. Uh, Where goes one chimes in here and says, should have put master in, especially on fourth down. I am interested about that uh, and your perspective on that Z because um, master T didn't see the field yesterday that I can remember. I know he didn't see a carry. Um, It, it became basically the Mayan Williams and Travion Henderson show there's a part of me that's okay with that for sure. Um, I admit Master Teague's best, you know, uh, usefulness to me is in those situations where you need a tough couple of yards, uh, and I think that's an area where he could, you know, he could he could really be useful. Um, I don't know if it changes anything though, because the offensive line wasn't generating any kind of push, and it's not like Travion Henderson and Mayan Williams can't put their head down and get hard fought yards either. Well, the other thing is you look at the the veteranism that is Master, you know, that is Master Teague, having him the ability to get the football. And I think even last week and when we talked about this, I said that's his role going forward. He's gonna be your short yardage back. He's gonna be your guy when things aren't looking great. Who's a guy that's got some, you know, some history with you? Some guy a guy that's been able to overcome a lot of adversity and, and get positive yards against, you know, situations where every play doesn't have to be a home run. Um, Brendan, you were a baseball player, great baseball player in Northeast Ohio growing up. You know that every time you came to the plate, you're not swinging the fences. You know, if you are that guy that's swinging for the fences, you know, that's where the Mayan Williams, you know, that's that's where Henderson, those are where those guys come in. Teague's that guy that's going to have to lay down the bunt sometimes to advance the runner. And, and really, like you said, you know, on a third and short, give him the football. Let him get the yard. Let him get the two yards. Understanding that he's going to stay ahead of his pass and be able to do that. That's where I thought he could have had the ability – maybe be a, a little bit better. Uh, people have stayed out of those fourth and fives and fourth and sevens and fourth and fours that they went for. I was happy Ryan Day went for those. You go for those in big games like that. It's, it's You learn a lot about your offense. Uh, but unfortunately, we were able to football to put ourselves in a situation where we're fourth and five. is a tougher one to get in that, in that type of situation. Um, so that's where I think really his role has got to be as a running back. Um, I, don't, I don't know what happens day to day in the facility. Um, I do know this. There are certain runs that you run during the week in practice, and you may look at a guy and go, wait, we got to get this guy more carries. This guy's got to be the guy going forward for us. And I think that's where, Lee, um, in, a, in a roundabout way, um, where T's got to become a role player uh, for Ohio State. And, and he understands that. He's a mature enough guy. You know, and, and you know, and I, I don't question Tony Alford. I don't question Ryan Day and their rotation of running backs. I mean, that's the biggest thing running back coaches do. Um, you know, it's important. Those running backs, coaches, you know, every running back in America, they what do they want to do? They want to touch the football. No running gets the job, and it's like, man, I really hope I get blocked on third down. I really hope I can do this. These guys want to run the football, and and, and I think Teague's got enough maturity that he's able to understand what his role is. And, and I said this last week, he doesn't have the God-given skill set as you guys do, but he's got the history. He's got the ability to continue to go with it. So um, I wouldn't be shocked to see him get some carries going forward in some more crucial situations just to make that happen, um, you know, for Ohio 
athlete and, and give him the ability to do that. Um, he also could have been banged up, but we don't know about. Um, that's the other thing. These running backs, you know, one of the beauties of having such a deep running back room is you can give all the guys, even when guys are, you know, beat up, whatever it may be, uh, from that standpoint. Okay, time to unpack C.J. Stroud's performance. Um, I'm still trying to figure out how I feel because, I, and I wrote this last night, you know, each of the first two games that he's played, and I keep reminding myself, he literally hasn't played football in two years, right? I don't expect him to be perfect. I'm not going to compare him to a guy like Justin Fields because I think Justin Fields is a different level of good. Um Stroud played fine. He wasn't the reason the Buckeyes lost. Um, I know he threw for almost 500 yards. I know he's got a ton of great talent at wide receiver, but I'm still a little bit frustrated with some of the mistakes. Are they youthful? Are they inexperienced? Does he not see it right? Um, is he not able to make the plays? I think we still need more evaluation time. But the fact of the matter is, you know, he he might have left a hundred yards out there in in incompletions, and it, we could be talking about a a five hundred and eighty four yard performance yesterday. So I guess that's just where I'm. It, it's kind of like, should we be so in love with the fact that he threw for four eighty four, and and you know he looks so much better in the second half than he did in the first half. Um, everybody's talking about the defense being a liability and like, I get all that, but you got to have the right quarterback. And I'm not saying that CJ isn't for sure. I just don't know that he is yet. How do you evaluate it? I agree with you a thousand percent. And that's what we came away with from the Minnesota game. And you walk away from this Oregon game the exact same way. CJ Stroud is a guy who's a calm, even mild guy. Who's a great uh, guy, when guys are open, can go hit them occasionally. He missed a lot of open throws yesterday. I mean, Brendan, it's not like they're asking him to put these in these tight ass, these tight windows that are just like incredibly difficult to get to. I mean, TJ Stroud right now, he's trying to throw balls, you know, the wide open receivers. We're talking guys that are running with five, six yards of separation on secondary players to go get it. I mean, yesterday, you know, he gets one quick, you know, touchdown throw to, to Wilson on the sideline. Well, you know, the horn is not even set yet. And that's kudos to the coaching staff, getting those guys up, understanding, having a one-word call, you know, whatever it may be. Hey, butterscotch. Boom, butterscotch means we're going to go try to take off um, on the outside and go get these guys going. But having that ability to say that and do that, it's important. It's really important that he has the ability to do that. He's got to start hitting more open receivers. He has to. Uh, right now, I think we're having this conversation. I think this game yesterday, if C.J. Stroud can consistently hit open receivers for Ohio State, we are talking about him throwing for 560 plus yards yesterday. We are talking about we're talking about a guy who can get ball to, to the best receiver for in the country. I don't care who you are. I mean, you talk about what those guys did, and we'll talk about them in a second. He's a guy who, if he hits these guys, right now Ohio State's third in the country, still ranked number three in the country right now. Um, you know, ahead of these other, you know, ahead of these other teams. And Oregon's going back and going, now they're a Pac-12 team again. And I think Ohio State scores 50 plus points in that game. Like I had predicted. Originally, I thought they I thought they were going to. Um, and they even think about this, it was a zero-zero game at the end of the first quarter. This was a slow starting game for Ohio State and still had six hundred plus yards of offense. I think you get it if he starts hitting these guys on a regular basis. I love the kid, and here's why I love him. He's not making the mental errors, he's missing these throws physically. And that's what we talked about against the Minnesota game. 
when he misses he throws physically he's not the guy that's overwhelmed that's throwing different you know issues even his interception yesterday was just kind of he lofted it up and i think he was trying to throw it out of bounds uh to be realistic i mean he just and it looked almost like he had you know and it was the intended receiver was chris olave and you, you see olave's kind of like looks up and kind of like well that's out of my reach and you know out of his reach that, that means out of the, the reach of every other the human being, good Lord, gave the ability to play wide receiver too. And he throws that thing up there and he kind of looks up at it. And, you know, the guy makes a great play for Morgan to kind of put this game in, in, out of the, out of reach of the Buckeyes. I am not saying that this kid's not the right guy yet. Um, you know, he, he's 19 years old. 19 years old, his first two games in two years were against Minnesota on national television. Yesterday, he played in front of, in front of 100,000 incredible fans, you know, in, in an environment that was something that he hasn't seen or ever been around. But also, he signed up for this. When he went and recruited, when he got recruited and looked at a lot of different places, that's what he wanted. He wanted to be the guy under center. He wanted to be the guy playing in the team. Um, you know, it's going to be a tongue-in-cheek type of option for him. Uh, I'm sure, you know, I'm sure Zach and Corey are going to have a situation where they work with him and develop him and say, hey, look, yeah, you you set a record. Yeah, you were number two in record books yesterday um, as a quarterback, but you left a lot out there. And hopefully he has the humility and the ability to grow to continue to take that step forward. I'm guaranteeing you the guy that has that touch is not is not obviously in that quarterback room. They'd be playing right now. He's the best that Ohio State has right now. Um, they're going to continue to develop and continue to grow. As he matures and starts making these throws, um, it's got to happen faster, Brendan. It really does. I don't think he's going to miss a lot of guys against Tulsa on after going forward. Um, it's got to build his confidence back up, get him going. Um, I saw him run the ball a little bit more yesterday that I thought was mature. Um, even one of the savvy moves was picking up that 15-year penalty. You know how he picked up the 15-year penalty? He got to the sideline, he waited, and he did the little hesitation. That's what a veteran quarterback does. Like, that's a little bit more than a 19-year-old kid would normally have. You know, the 19-year-old kid might say, all right, I'm going to step out of bounds or throw my shoulder into this guy. He kind of waited and goes, you know what? This guy's coming at me. He's going to take a shot. I know how to avoid this shot, take it a little bit, get an extra 15 on it. He did some things that weren't on the stat sheet. I think they were really good as well. Um I believe I gave him a C plus, and that was just because he missed a lot of open receivers yesterday. I was disappointed to see him miss those open receivers. Um, and until he does that on a consistent basis, we're hitting these guys. Um, you're talking about it's going to be most explosive offense in college football. So you know, Ryan Day has said on a number of different occasions, you know, he he doesn't want Kyle McCord or Jack Miller to transfer. You know, uh, Quinn Ewers obviously early enrolls. You know, he basically said, we're going to need all these guys. Now, does that always mean that those guys are going to get on the field? Not typically. Um, and, and if you're Ryan Day, I think you have to have more patience than fans can even comprehend because you have such a young, inexperienced, talented, but inexperienced room. There's going to be bad reads. There's going to be poor decisions. You know, the, the hope is that you protect the football and, and you can maybe work through some of the misses without turnovers. Um, at least Stroud yesterday, you know, didn't throw multiple interceptions. And as the Buckeyes were trying to make a surge in the game, you know, he, he led the team on a couple of touchdown drives, all of which, by the way, were quick scoring drives. Ohio State did not have a touchdown scoring drive yesterday longer than three minutes and 13 seconds. It was boom, 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 quickly up the field, get after it. Um, but I had heard this earlier in the week that that maybe CJ wasn't 100% healthy. Uh, he says yesterday in his post-game press conference, I was a little surprised he admitted to this, but essentially said, you know, I'm, I'm 
thank God I was here. I felt so blessed this week. Um, you know, it was a it was a tough week for me. And when he was pressed on that a little bit, since he kind of opened that door, he basically said, you know, just some nicks and bruises, two hard teams, Minnesota and Oregon both hit hard. And, you know, I'm fine. I was healthy enough to play. Um, but he was asked a little bit further, hey, you know, I saw you kind of working your shoulder on the sideline a little bit. Is your shoulder okay? And he, he again said, I was healthy enough to play. And there's an element of he almost threw for 500 yards. He didn't suck yesterday. But if, if there is some kind of, you know, physical limitation with what he's doing, I can totally understand it if he's trying to play through it and figure it out. Because once you're the starter and you got your shot, you don't want to give that up, even if it's for an injury. It's hard to get that back. And you know there's talent behind you. Um, of course, I mean, unless your arm falls off, you're going to tell the coaching staff, I'm, I'm good, right? I mean, that's that's just how, that's the nature yeah. of it. Um, that's where I, I think Ryan Day, you know, whether it's being publicly looked at like this or not, I think Ryan Day is under some pressure here to make sure that he makes the right call with C.J. Stroud. You know, he's got to make sure that if C.J. says he's healthy enough to go and, and Coach Day chooses to let Stroud – run the show you got to live with your with your results and if there's guys on the bench that are capable and healthy that's also not a good thing I'm not trying to start a quarterback controversy here but I'm again I I just I I, I want to get away from the hey he threw for 484 and the Buckeyes had a great game and they had the most yards of total offense and a loss in program history and he, you know he he threw for the second most yards in a in a single game for a quarterback in Buckeye history, I think we get lost in that. I, I I think we need to try to evaluate this objectively and say if it's a physical limitation for any reason that he's missing some of those throws, he's tended to miss high. That's really bad. Then then got to figure out the right answer and and maybe what maybe the right answer is on the bench. Yeah, it's interesting. That's an interesting take on it, Brendan. I uh, I, I still think that um, you know from a standpoint, he doesn't turn the football over. He doesn't. He's surrounded by great players. And when you see that with a young quarterback, and their room's young, there's not a guy in there that, that has the experience that can come in and do that. Um, you know, you look at like, Justin Fields. Justin Fields was a transfer from Georgia who came in and, ha and had an incredible experience at Ohio State. Uh, and really, at the beginning with, with, with Justin Fields, he missed throws. You know, we look back and go back on these throws, and Justin Fields had moments where you go, gosh, really? And Justin Fields was a top 10 pick. He's an NFL quarterback. He's going to go down as one of the greatest quarterbacks in the history of Ohio State football. I'm not saying CJ's at that point yet, but I also do think that, like, I know that Ryan Day watches every single one of these guys all week. He's got a bunch of my, bunch of guys that were quarterbacks at great plays, great places. Like, he's got to be the best one in that room uh, right now for them, and they have to have faith and confidence in him. He doesn't turn the football over, which gives you the ability to go win football games. You know, you'd rather see him throw than a throw that inadvertently gets in the arms of other teams. Like I said, last week, his interception was on that, was on that RPO to Chris Olave, um, where he just threw it a little bit behind him. Uh, the other one, he's not making bad mental aspects of it. I, I think that he's prepared himself. Um, I think his maturity is, is far beyond his years. You know, like you said, yesterday he opened the door a little bit. You know, they're going to talk to him. Hey, uh, you don't say that. You know, you, you there's a certain facade you put up to the media uh, when they ask you questions about that. Uh, but at the end of the day, like, he's trying to be positive. And I think he opened 
the door a little bit more by saying like, I'm blessed to be here and, and, and talking about his excitement about being an Ohio State Buckeye and understanding really 19 years old, he just has led, um, you know, two really monumental days offensively that just, they couldn't execute in critical situations yesterday. Um, and that is on him. And, and most quarterbacks will say, hey, look, that's on me. Like, I've got to be the guy to make those throws, to make those ability forward to do that. And yesterday, um, he missed a couple throws. And like I said, I really give – I'm going to give him a little – I'm not giving him as much of a pass um, as I did the week before, but really five, six of those throws that are different um, that he connects on with open receivers. Um, you know, we're talking about, you know, potentially – and people are going to laugh. We're talking about a Heisman hopeful. And I think he makes a couple of those throws. Sure. That's where, the, that's where those numbers are at. Of course. And, and I, I still don't – I still think that, uh, you know, he's going to have the ability uh, going forward to, to, to really lead his team. And, you know, one of the things about him yesterday was, you know, on the touchdown run um, that, that you saw with uh, the Travion Henderson touchdown run in the, in, in, the, in the red zone. He sprints over to Chris Olave and starts, like, headbutting him. He's so excited they just scored a rushing touchdown. Like, there's something about this kid that I, that I, I get excited about. He doesn't turn the football over, like – I love that. He, he misses a couple throws here and there. That's going to happen. And as you turn on college football yesterday, there's not a quarterback in college football that didn't miss throws yesterday. There's going to be guys today that people watch in the NFL that are going to miss throws and they're going to go, this guy's a butt. You know, it's, it's, it's part of it. And it's part of repetition. Uh, he's going to continue to do it. Those guys are working hard. Um, I'm still I'm still on him as a quarterback. Um, I'm not ready to, to jump ship or start a, a quarterback controversy. I know that those are the other guys that are there. Um, that are missing, you know, that, that obviously probably aren't there mentally, you know, and that's where you, that's where the game starts for a young quarterback. He's ahead of the curve mentally. He's not making mental errors. He's making physical errors. Um, and that's something to rectify. Like you said, his throws are floating a little bit higher. They're going to work on getting him to bring his arm down a little bit further on his follow through. Uh, part of that is he's not setting his feet when he's throwing it. Um, also, it's, 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 it's just mechanics. It's you get used to on the run throwing and being able to, follow through on runs or follow through on throws. And, and when he gets that and gets that confidence, uh, I think he's special. I really do. And I think one year, two years down the road, we're going to look at this and go, wow, he's really, really special. Fortunately, he's playing around, playing and surrounded by really, really talented people. I um, mean, he can mature, um, you know, unlike other guys. He's got to mature way quicker. We watched a guy yesterday who's been in college football for six years. And, and you and I have talked about this, Brendan. You know, yesterday, you know, Oregon – quarterback like he he was at boston college he couldn't do anything you know they, they could not throw the football yesterday he looked like he was something really special and anthony brown kudos to him that's six years of college football six years ago when he was a freshman at boston college like cj Stroud was playing middle school football like let's yeah, think where those two people are literally at he was literally 13 years old <laughs> yeah he's 13 years old he's 13 years old and he's getting ready to leave the seventh grade uh, whatever Raiders or whatever team he was playing for uh, in his uni or CYO team that he was on. And, and now he's at this ability uh, to go do this. I mean, it, it, there's two different, you know, people, you know, there's something about veteranism. There's something about age, uh, but uh, this guy is, is the guy right now. Uh, and I'm all in on him. I want to keep going. Um, and Buckeye fans can say, Hey, I disagree with you, but I think he's the best we got right now. And I think he's going to get this team all in. And, and again, I, I really, I'm not trying to be overly critical. I am just trying to sit here and say, this guy's got a lot of talent, but um, if for some reason he is not giving everything he's able to give because he's dealing with an injury that he let on, right? He didn't have to say that. So now it's fair to speculate. Um, need to see him continue to be healthy. 
uh, and and lead this team because the, the the reality is your goals are still attainable, but your margin for error is zippo. Like you have to be borderline perfect the rest of the year. It took Ohio State beating the pants off Wisconsin 59 to nothing in the Big Ten championship game to convince the selection committee that they belonged in. If that game is a, a nice two-touchdown win for Ohio State, they don't go to the playoff that year, right? So again, like those things are those that's not necessarily CJ Stroud needs to get fixed. It's that's a defense issue, but it just to me it like it heightens the intensity and the and the focus. Every player on the field, the entire team has to be a little bit sharper and cleaner. Yeah, they play two teams the next couple weeks that they should get their confidence going again for sure. And then they got to go to Rutgers against the Scarlet Knights team that is not the Rutgers Scarlet Knights of of years past. Um, they sort of, you know, fudged their way around the field and, and with some goofy trick plays made last year's game, unfortunately, more entertaining than it needed to be in the second half. Uh, that'll be their re-indoctrination back into Big Ten play in, in three weeks. But I, I just I, I agree. CJ is a really, really talented player. Um, and thankfully, he's got oodles of talent at wide receiver. We're going to talk about them right now. Uh, I, I think we just need to stay patient, but man, the, the, the magnifying glass is now all of a sudden coming into focus. And I think we'll just leave it at that with Stroud. Okay. Wide receiver. Could, could it be any better? I mean, this is kind of ridiculous. Like it's a cheat code. They're so good. <laughs> it's a, it was a video game yesterday, Brendan. I mean, you talk about these top three receivers. I, they, they, we are watching, we are witnessing history at Ohio state. I mean, these are some of the greatest receivers that ever played at Ohio State on the field at the same time. And there's guys on the sideline watching them who's even we even get more excited about. So just think about where they're at that standpoint um, to see their plays flashing special teams, to be able to go down a punt on the one yard line, to go out and, and go make plays like twice. I mean, like this is incredible to see this of this unit going forward. Um, I told you last week, probably after that win at Minnesota, you know. Brian Hartline had to grab those guys and put his arms around him and go, hey, I promise you, we're going to get some touches, have faith in it, we're going to throw the football. And they spread it all over the yard yesterday. Um, that, that group got an A-plus grade from me. I mean, I don't know if you can ask them to play any better, uh, you know, from that standpoint. They went out down the field. Um, they, they added so much value in so many different ways uh, yesterday. And it was the receiver core that we thought we were going to see. Um, it's, it's exciting. It's exciting to see those guys play. It's exciting to see them grow. Um, I, I don't know um, – you know, unfortunately, like I said, you know, C.J. Stroud gets a, a microglass put on him because he's got a defense that's hemorrhaging seven yards of play. He's got a defense. He's got receivers that are running wide open, twofold. One, they're really good, but also like the scheme and the schematics, like they're putting them in great situations. Ryan Day is an incredible, uh, incredible football coach. He's one of the best offensive minds in the sport, regardless of level, NFL, college, whatever it may be. He is putting those guys in a great situation to go succeed to go make plays, and they're going to reap the benefits. Those guys are going to continue to go eat. Um, it's tough because they want to win at the end of the day. You know, I know that they're not walking off the field yesterday going like, man, look at me. Like, I had you know X amount of touches and 100-plus yards receiving the first time in history at Ohio State. Um, and, and part of that is also, I mean, the Woody Hayes era, I don't think we were allowed to throw football. So, uh, so it's, it's more the modern day if we're going to get into this uh, about those <laughs> records. But I think it's important to look at um, having the ability uh, to continue to spread the ball to those guys and allow them 
that flexibility and let them go get out on people. Um, do this is something we talked about yesterday uh, or Friday, rather. I thought that I, we were going to get at some 11 personnel um, and get the ability to uh, really spread the field out and allow them the ability to do some stuff um, to, to really open up the picture for CJ and then hit those guys. And, and we, we're beating a dead horse with this. He hits a couple more of those. Right now we're sitting here talking about him being a high hopeful, talking about the greatest receiver core uh, in the history of Ohio State football. So uh, Olave, 12 catches for 126 yards. He was targeted 17 times. Garrett Wilson, eight catches for 117 and a touchdown. He was targeted 14 times. Jackson Smith and Jigba, who had a wild game yesterday uh seven catches for 145 yards two scores he was targeted 11 times uh played his buns off and and yeah in the post game press conference he said exactly what you just alluded to it's kind of hard to feel really good about your own individual performance because he wants to win and it wasn't quite enough yesterday um i, I know there's this hi hyperbole i know there's this hype being a fan is a lot of fun and when you see guys make good catches or, or good plays, um, it's easy to get excited. I, I, I am so confident that this receiving core this season is going to be looked back at for a very long time as one of the best in the history of Ohio State football. They're playing in the 132nd year of the program right now. And so often we don't appreciate what we had until we don't have it anymore. And so I'm just hopeful that people will recognize that it's not just, hey, wow, these guys make some good plays. They're fun to watch. Like this is legitimately special and enjoy it while they're here. And and hopefully the Buckeyes can make a run because, you know, these are the kinds of guys that are difference makers and, and can flip a game like that. Absolutely. I mean, Brandon, we're watching history right now. Enjoy it. Enjoy it because, um, you know, this room is stacked. You know, Brian Hartley's done a tremendous job of recruiting. Um, he, he, he's proven it, you know, and, and this is a testament to him, it's a testament to Ohio State. Um, and, and, you know, some of, the wolves, some of these guys might have been recruited by Zach Smith, but like, you know, Brian was, Hartline's been there. Brian Hartline's been a behind the scenes guy. Brian Hartline's been a guy that I think has done a tremendous job of recruiting these guys um, and we're giving them the ability to see, um, you know, really who they could become. He's proven it as a player at the NFL level and at the collegiate level. Um, and I see there, Jerry's talking about the 28 points. I'm with them. They did, it was 28 points. They didn't execute on fourth down. And until they executed just going to say the same thing, Jerry, like you missed the first half of the of the podcast here. We yeah. we were not particularly praiseworthy for a good 35 or 40 minutes. Yeah, uh, he's coming, he's tuned in for the good stuff right now. I, I really, <laughs> um, you know, and I really, this 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 receiver core, um, they caught, they, they got the ball thrown to them. They caught the football. They made, big plays um you know really the one drop of the day that you know really kind of sticks out um is more the kate stover drop um and, and kate stover you know he's he's gonna have more opportunities to catch the football uh you know for the buckeyes all right um i think we've hit just about everybody except for maybe the guy that you have a man crush on jeremy ruckert so i'll let you uh i'll let you have your jeremy ruckert moment hey the one rushing touching yesterday jeremy ruckert made it go Split flow inside, you know, split flow inside zone. Jeremy Rucker comes back across. Um, he takes the inman line of search from Morgan and knocks him five yards into the backfield. Um, I think Brennan and myself could have walked in on that one. So tremendous job. And that's you know, the offensive line didn't really move guys as well as they'd like to do yesterday, but they were able to do it. Um, Rucker still, you know, at the end of plays is hand on a guy, guys trying to not swat his hands off. Um, his 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 tenacity is still there. Um, he's still playing at a very high level. I'm um, excited to see it. 
Uh, and I think that uh, hopefully it's going to be, you know, it's going to manifest and in, in continuing to, to have other people, you know, follow him uh, in suit. I, I still had a high grade on him yesterday uh, from his blocking ability. Um, I thought he still did some things. Uh, he got a little bit more involved in the throw game yesterday. Uh, but still, at the end of the day, that's not his game. His game to be the extra offensive lineman uh, that's out there blocking and, and, and adding, a, adding that physicality and tenacity to the Ohio State offense. So the Buckeyes with a 35-28 defeat uh, against, again, a – a really good Oregon team, but um, you know it. Uh, it was probably more of a disappointing loss for Ohio State than it was uh, a great performance by Oregon. Um, I don't want to take credit away from Oregon; they're a good football team. We said it a lot here in the first, you know, uh, twenty minutes of this. Joe Moorhead drew up a great scheme. They executed it well. They held their blocks, and the Buckeyes didn't adjust. That's literally what this came down to at the end of the day. Um, Ohio State only scored 28 points because they couldn't convert on fourth downs. Um, what they have? What, uh, four misses on fourth down. I think they were, uh, let's see here. I don't want to say this wrong. I think they were two for five or two for six. Uh, uh two for five yesterday. Two for five. five okay. Yeah, that's yeah, right. Two and for five. For and and, and Oregon's one for one. I mean, that's where. You look at that. That's that's a big, you know, big, you know, stat as well as six of fifteen on third down for Ohio State's offense is inexcusable. That's that's that is that is not who Ohio State has been. Um, that's not what they need to be. Um, and even to, to the point where you look at that, that's a that's telling stat. Like, you know, they're six of fifteen. Oregon's eight of sixteen yesterday. The difference was Oregon was able to run football for seven yards a pop. Ohio State was only four yards uh, carry, and that's a huge difference. Um, it makes you, you know, staying out of those situations, uh, you know, from that standpoint. And I think as you're looking at it also, um, to see an Ohio State team go two or three in the red zone, um, you know, that's a tough that's a tough way to look at it. The difference is Oregon was four or four in the red zone. When they got down there, they came away with the points that they needed, um, you know, and, and that's that's really important, you know, you know, for, for both teams. And, and that's going to be the difference in the telltale of it. Um, and, One more uh, question here at the end. Uh, RK jumping in says uh, yeah. Zach Harrison not holding the edge. Whereas Sawyer, he also said, why isn't Sawyer playing? Uh, Zach, uh, I should say Z. Jack Sawyer did play yesterday, um, and actually, I thought at one point he. I, I remember one specific play in particular where he kind of made a fool of the tight end that tried to block him. Um, you know, I, I don't know exactly why he's playing or not playing, but um, or, or or the the times when he is, you know called in to play. It's not like he's not healthy. Uh, I, I thought we saw more of JT Tuimolo-Au yesterday. Um, but, you know, there's some level of, isn't this kind of what we expected, right? The, the Buckeyes are trying to figure out what they've got at, at defensive end. They've got a, a couple of different guys, and maybe they were just trying to go with with Zach Harrison and, and Tyreek Smith yesterday. But I, I agree. Harrison didn't hold the edge well yesterday. He didn't play well. No, and then we said the opening. You know, I, I thought Joe did a good job of keeping Zach Harrison off base uh, by reading him at different times, making him go make plays. Uh, sometimes they'd influence him and more bypass him um, and different things. Um, he's got to play better football for Ohio State. Um, until that happens, like Zach's, you know, Zach's a physically impressive looking kid in person when you see him. Um, he's got all the tools you think you have, but it's just not, it's not, you know, translating a great play yet. Uh, and until that translates to great play, Teams are still going to continue to attack the edge on Ohio State. Um, I thought, like I said at the beginning, Oregon did a good job of leveraging them uh, by trying to make sure they were working their pin and pull stuff, whether it be a receiver, a tight end, an offensive lineman coming out. They found the leverage that they were going to get. 
they occupied it and they were able to get out on the perimeter and on the edge and really uh, force the guys to work harder throughout the day. So that'll, uh, I guess that'll wrap up our initial, uh, take a deep breath. It's going to be okay. And, uh, you know, figure out a way to, to move forward here and know that, uh, the Buckeyes, you know, have a couple of games these next two weeks. It shouldn't be a problem. Um, while, you know, I think we've, I, I hopefully, uh, think we've fairly pointed out some areas they need to, to, uh, immediately address. Um, Tommy's got some uh, some grades for yesterday's games coming. We'll post that in the morning on BuckeyesNow.com. Uh, and tomorrow we are also going to have some more film evaluation um, of some specifics on why certain plays didn't go well, why certain plays did, and and then trying to figure out, okay, on the ones that went poorly, let's address and, and you know show exactly what needs to happen so that it won't be a problem going forward. Um Hopefully the Buckeyes are, are hard at work and not paying attention to anything that's being said in the media and just trying to figure out how to how to win next week and get better to, to go play Tulsa. Um, always a lot easier to feel good about things when you're coming off a win. Um, Ryan Day said it, you know, maybe two weeks ago. Not a lot to lose around here. Um, it's a lot harder when you start losing and, uh, you know, the, the pressure amps up and um, he said yesterday at the end of the game that it, it, it becomes about your leadership. And, you know, you can't point fingers and you got to have guys that are going to step up and own it and and do what it takes to get things corrected. Um, I know they certainly still believe in themselves within the building, even if perhaps they've taken a hit nationally here uh, after losing to Oregon by seven yesterday. Tommy, appreciate your time and your thoughts and your effort. And uh, we'll look forward to seeing what we got coming up here in the next couple of days. Absolutely, Brendan. You know, let's get back at it. Uh, the week this week in the, at the Woody, it's going to be about growth. It's going to be about maturity. Um, it's going to be about looking in the eye and saying, hey, what did we do um, and what have we done wrong? And how can we rectify that? And, and I think that the coaching staff to do that. Uh, I think the players are going to have a deep down hard look inside uh, and recognize that maybe this could be a hungrier group of Ohio State players looking back at this and saying, hey, you know what? We didn't come away with the win that we're traditionally accustomed to this early in the season. Um, and we're going to have to play a little bit more of an underdog look, uh, which is something that we haven't had. Um, losing's not accepted in Columbus. It's not accepted at the Woody. Uh, it's not accepted um, in Ohio State, you know, lore. I mean, we, we've very fortunate the last couple of years uh, to be a very productive team. They have to get back to that um, and have to get back to establishing that self um, to being one of the elite teams in college football. That'll wrap up the Buckeye Breakdown podcast. You can find this live on our YouTube channel and social media platforms if you'd like to uh, interact with us live. If you are part of our live audience today, I know there's been a bunch of you that have tuned in. Thanks for doing that. And know that if you miss it live, you can find this uh, wherever you like to find your favorite podcasts. For Tommy Zagorski, I'm Brendan Gulick. Plenty more to come. Head over to BuckeyesNow.com for all the latest. See you soon.